terrible things lurk in the swamp. Sometimes it's just best to stay away from those boggy, shallow waters. This world is a strange one. Swamps are probably the creepiest forms of bodies of water. They are shallow, muddy bogs, filled with dead plants and other things. And apparently, sometimes they're home to more than just alligators. So, let's take a peek at some allegedly true stories that will keep you away from the swamp for a while. But first, a great YouTuber by the name of Mr. Black Pasta needs some help. Due to noise complaints, he can't continue creating content on his channel, but he has found a solution. To help him reach the solution, and if you're a fan of Mr. Black Pasta, please donate something or anything at his GoFundMe via the link in the description. Keep YouTube creepy. Now, there are much worse things than swamp ass. Number one, Night Fishing Terror, submitted by Clayton M. I've spent 24 years outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping, and hiking. It's in my blood, always has been and always will be. I'm 28 now, so that's quite a bit of time in the wilderness. I'm the guy everyone says that when the zombies do come, it's my house they're going to. You see, I know how to live off the land and I know how to survive disasters that could happen. Part of being in the outdoors for as long as I have is you see a lot of things that most people don't get to. I've seen some of the most beautiful sunsets and sunrises from being an avid fisherman and hunter. However, you also see things at the opposite end of that spectrum. I've witnessed predators hunting and people getting hurt, along with the downright frightening. Growing up my whole life in Northwestern Pennsylvania, it was interesting to say the least. I mean, I've seen a lot of what science refuses to admit is real, from the creature of Lake Erie to my favorite catfish hole being somehow a UFO hotspot. Now, all of that while creepy, the events of one July evening at Geneva Swamp really take the cake. So, about three or four years ago, I had a few days off work, so my buddy Tyler and I had made a plan to do an all-day fishing trip to Geneva. We had it set, bait, snacks, and drinks. We had our poles and tackle boxes packed up the night before. The weather even called for warm and sunny days with some light wind. Any fisherman knows it's a good day for fishing. Not too hot, because the fish wouldn't bite if it was. And if it's too cold, the fish are harder to catch because they're sluggish. Not to mention it's very uncomfortable for you, no matter if it's too hot or too cold. Well, we arrived at Custard's Bridge for everyone who isn't familiar with the area. It used to be an old steel bridge. It's on a small back road called Mercer Pike. It's an outflow to one of the small rivers in the county called French Creek. Geneva Swamp itself is the largest in Crawford County. It spans from Conode Lake, Pennsylvania, all the way to Mercer Pike, just about five to 10 miles. The swamp itself is beyond mysterious. There are three bridges that go over it. I-79 is one of the main highways in Pennsylvania. There's also Snake Road Bridge, these two bridges are floating bridges. The story goes that when they were building the interstate over the swamp, 
they couldn't even find the bottom. They dropped cars, a railroad car, and a crane at full extension into the swamp, but never once did any of them reach the bottom, or so it goes. Within the past few years, a barrel was sped back out by the swamp. It was an old pickle barrel. It was about 120 years old. When it was opened, there was a skeleton inside with a lone bullet hole in its head. The swamp holds onto what it's given for a very long time. There are many stories concerning this swamp, all of which are pretty creepy. And today, my friend and I are adding to that list. After nearly fishing all day, Tyler and I had three full stringers. One was covered in panfish, which are frail compared to the others we had, so we had to give them their own stringer. On another, we had several bowfin. They're ugly as sin and many natives of the area hate them. They would kill them and throw them onto the bank. Tyler and I fall into the small percentile that actually eat these prehistoric fish. I think they're pretty good, on par with catfish, let me tell you that. On the final stringer, we had pike and bass. Overall, it was a great day's haul. We had enough that the next day we were going to have a fish fry. As dusk approached, we moved to the other side of the bridge where we could fish the open swamp, and that was our first mistake. We dipped the fish into the water, rigged up our bait, and got situated in our chairs before casting out our rods. We caught a lot more bowfin. Then there was a man on the other side of the outflow from us. He stuck around until sunset, and once it was done, he left. So Tyler and I were the only ones left at the fishing hole. An hour or two into the darkness, we only caught two more fish, and then the weirdness started. As I mentioned before, there was little to no wind that day, so we were both taken by surprise when a mist just appeared around us. There was no moon that night, so the mist made it even harder to see than it already was. Part of being in the outdoors your whole life is you know your senses can be heightened when everything gets dark. If you take out your sense of sight, everything else gets a bit more sensitive. However, this mist made my outdoors training non-effective. The mist around us was thick, but behind us we could see. It was like the mist was focused only in that one spot, the spot we were trying to fish. That's when we heard it, the sound of a woman's scream. It was about a hundred yards away, over by Tyler's car. I turned to Tyler. Dude, did you hear that? I asked, looking at him. What? He asked. I swear I just heard the sound of a woman screaming. I said, looking back in the direction of the noise. It was probably just some animal, he said, looking at me. I stared back at him. In all my years in the outdoors, I've never heard an animal make a perfect human scream, I said. And with that, we both began to feel like we were being watched. We were looking around, expecting to see something or someone come out of the mist at any second. I had my hunting knife with me, and he had a fillet knife. I felt uneasy not having a gun with me like I do during hunting season. I swear I could feel eyes on me, and I just couldn't pinpoint where. Clayton, look, Tyler said to me, making me look towards him. He pointed behind us, and I turned to look. In a wooded lot on the other side of the road, we saw a flash of something. 
There were bright flashes moving through the woods, never in the same place twice, and they were moving in our direction. I looked back to Tyler and he to me. I think we caught enough fish today, don't you? I asked with a nervous chuckle. Yeah, he said, both of us getting up quickly. We reeled our rods up quickly, grabbing our equipment and chairs. We moved quickly up a hill and jumped the guardrail. Once on the road, Tyler started to move faster. I paused, looking toward the flashes. That was another mistake, because the screaming came again, this time far, far closer. I white-knuckled my knife as I began to move faster towards the car. I felt a very heavy presence nearby, making me stop once I got to the car. And once I did, I noticed two things. One, all the sounds of nature that were just there were gone. No frogs or owls, no nighthawks or geese or even crickets. Two, the mist was only around the bridge, one large ball of mist. And in that mist, I saw a female figure, just the outline in the shadow, and she was looking towards us. I saw her and watched as the mist was swept away by an unseen force. Once it was gone, so was the figure, and with it, the swamp came to life, and the creatures of the night started up again. Everything went back to normal, but we still went home. To this day, both Tyler and I won't fish at Geneva Swamp after dark. We'll stick around and watch the sun go down, but once it does, we pack up and we're gone. I talked to a friend of ours who has lived around that swamp his whole life. He's seen similar things. He thinks it might have to do with a woman who may have been killed out there and her body was never found. I think it might be a demon, one trying to hide itself with the local lore of the area. One thing is sure, God was looking out for us that day. Oh, and Geneva Swamp is out of the question when the sun begins to go down. Number two, Beast of the Swamp, submitted by Logan G. I'm an 18-year-old from Louisiana, and the story I'm typing out still sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it. Me and one of my good friends, let's call him James, decided to go camping on a little piece of the bayou that hadn't been explored in quite some time, about 30 or 40 years maybe. But anyway, we had gotten to a parking spot which was a decent bit away from the main road. I'd been driving at the time because I had recently gotten my permit to drive and I was the happiest guy in the world. But anyway, we had to walk about three miles to this little spot we had planned to set everything up. I'm a bigger guy, only five foot nine maybe, and 238 pounds, but I can hold my own and I have a decent bit of stamina, so it doesn't bother me too much. We had arrived at the area close to dark. We were scrambling to get everything set up so we would at least get some sleep the first night. 12.30 rolls around and we're just relaxing and shooting the breeze. We had scouted the area a bit and there was this tree about 10 or so feet away from us it stood at about 12 feet or so, and near that tree, we heard a slight rustling. We figured it was probably a rabbit or something of the sort. When we looked over to that direction, 
we saw something I will never forget, and I still see it every time I close my eyes. About seven feet above the ground was a pair of electric blue eyes just staring back at me and my friend. It was so bizarre that for a minute, we thought it was nothing more than our imaginations playing tricks on us. But then we heard this thing growl, a low demonic sounding growl that made us both flinch and cower away. My friend froze and his eyes stayed locked on it while I was reaching for the gun we had brought with us, a semi-automatic rifle. I pulled the handle back and racked one of the rounds and I took aim at the tree. Frightened, I squeezed the trigger and I saw a small explosion of tree bits as the bullet hit the tree right in front of the thing. But those eyes didn't flinch at all. They were still there, just watching us, not even phased by the loud sound or the snap of the bullet nearly hitting it in the head. Whatever this thing was, it stayed there for about two hours before it closed its eyes and walked away, letting out the most demonic sounding howl I've ever heard in my life, chilling us both to the bone. We kept the fire going the whole night and I held on to the gun. We weren't sure if it was still watching us from a distance, waiting for us to let our guard down and end us there and then. We ended up staying an extra day because of some weather that had rolled through one of the towns not that far from where we were, causing the roads nearby to get flooded and my friend's little truck would not have made it. We went off for a little bit, killed some dinner, and we came back to camp to something that looked like a horror show. What we saw was literally a scene from a nightmare. There was blood everywhere and in the center of our camp lay a dead boar. Its head was sitting on the log I had been sitting on the night I took that shot. That was enough. We took this as a warning and we packed everything up and we took off out of there. To this day, I still remember very clearly those eyes and that howl. It makes me realize how much we truly don't know about our own world. There are things out there that will haunt your nightmares and people just want to brush it off as fairy tales. I've seen one of those tales, not even 10 feet away from me. So to anyone camping, anyone going close to a bog or swamp, always be sure to be safe and have something on you to protect yourself just in case. Just in case you come across one of these tales. But for now, just stay safe. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club. 
where you could even put your skills to the test, in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number 3. I Know That Was No Manatee Submitted by Sprugs. This encounter has truly chilled me to the bone because it wasn't just me who was there to see this creature. My dad was there with me as well. Now, in 2012, I was dealing a lot with depression. It got so bad that I had to be hospitalized for two weeks. When I was released, my dad set aside work and told me, let's go fishing. That made me happy that he took time off work to help me and to spend time with me. So one day we got in his truck to get some worms from Walmart and we headed to Tomoka State Park. As we drove down the trail, I took note that my dad had his nine millimeter handgun with us. So I didn't give a second thought to our safety. I mean, no one expects things like this to happen to them. So I didn't think I had a worry in the world. All the while down the road, dad was spitting his funny one-liners about the locals. We parked the truck and walked down to the riverbed. I took off my shoes and socks to wade into the water for a better cast. This was a stupid move I would later come to find out. This swampy area and Tomoka River itself is infested with alligators and one could have easily taken me down, but my dad actually followed me in. We casted our lines and just played the waiting game. After 10 minutes, what really got my attention was the lack of activity out there. The forest was alive with sounds, but the water itself was so quiet calm and stagnant. There were no ducks or boats, not even a minnow in sight. Just all life had concealed itself somehow. This really stuck in my mind. About an hour later, my dad had noticed two gray humps about 25 yards off the shore. Wow, I said, a couple of manatee in December. It was a cool thing to see for a few seconds because immediately those two humps morphed into one which meant the manatee I thought I was seeing would be nearly 25 feet long. My dad and I looked at each other, almost in sync. Then we looked back trying to classify this creature. Maybe it was an alligator, but there was no way it could be, not one that big. Plus, it didn't have any scales. We watched as muscles under its skin began to twist and turn, and then this thing began to move towards us and I saw its head. I knew then for sure it was no seal or manatee. It had deep, tiny black eyes, and its skin was slimy and leathery, but its face, it was some sort of twisted, upside-down version of some mammal in the water. Its snout was elongated, like that of a wolf, but longer, and it had two massive fangs protruding from the sides of its mouth. This was an animal I've never seen before, an animal I've never learned about at school or in the documentaries. I was as confused as I was horrified. I, for one, turned back and ran towards the shore, but as I was still in the water, 
I began to trip over myself like some cheesy horror movie cliche. Luckily, my dad was there. He picked me up by the shirt and we ran all the way to the truck, throwing our gear in the bed. We hopped inside and did 90 in a 25 zone. I sat there crying and soaking wet while my dad tried to tell me to calm down, but I saw how panicked he was. I hadn't been the only one. That swamp is a place of nightmares and I don't think I want to go back out there anymore. Number four, Swamp Woman, submitted by Dylan. I'm a five foot six, 15 year old guy, and I'm part Native American. For as long as I remember, I loved hearing about ghost stories but I didn't know I'd be living one. One day in the summer, my friends and I wandered around a swamp. We weren't really doing much except talking, and before we knew it, night was upon us. At one point, we heard a very strange sound. It was the most god-awful sound I've ever heard. Right away, it reminded me of one of the old Native American ghost stories, one of my favorites that I loved hearing when I was young called the Swamp Woman. As we continued to walk the swamp that night, I told my friend about the story. He said he wanted to try and find this Swamp Woman, apparently taking a big interest in the story. I told him that if he tried to follow the cry, then he would be lost in the swamp forever, that he would never return, most likely die, I told him. He didn't care about that though. He didn't believe in ghost stories. I kept warning him, but he didn't care. We had a fight about it for maybe an hour or so, and I told him I was going home. I mean, I love the stories, but I didn't want to be a part of it. Who knows how true it is? And if it is true, it was basically suicide to wander the swamp. The next day though, I didn't see him. We live right next door to each other, so I usually spot him outside, but he wasn't there. I went over and knocked on his door and his mom answered. She was crying, and I could see that she was not even dressed to be seen in public. Worried, I asked her what was wrong, and she said that her son didn't come home last night. They asked me if I knew where he was, and I struggled to breathe out, I might know. Later that day, the cops came to me. I said that my friend went missing last night. I said that he might be around the swamp. I told him the rest of the details, and we set out for the swamp together exactly where we had been walking before. It took a couple of hours, but we did find something. Footprints in the mud heading into the middle of the swamp. They did look fresh, so we followed them. We got deeper into the swamp and we found a shack. My first thought was of all my years hearing those stories, I never heard about the swamp woman living in a shack. Of course, we searched inside. The place looked completely abandoned like no one had been living in it for years. But the moment we opened the door, there we found my friend lying on the floor, completely motionless. I feared for the worst. Soon an ambulance arrived and they pronounced my friend dead. The thing is, there wasn't a scratch on his body. It looked like he had just lied down and gave up the ghost. It didn't make any sense. His parents didn't come with us to search this shack or the swamp, so they hadn't known just yet. 
When we arrived at their house, they looked worse than before, and before we even told them, they knew what was coming. His poor mother fell to her knees right there, crying and bawling on the spot. It was the most tragic and heartbreaking thing I've ever experienced. Somehow I couldn't cry. I could only keep thinking about the fact that I was with him the night before, that only a few hours ago, we had been walking through the swamp together, and I can't help but think that this was my fault, that I shouldn't have told him about the story, that we should have ignored the sounds we heard and just went home. After this, I wanted nothing to do with that swamp, and I wanted it to be destroyed, but I knew this wouldn't happen. I'm never going near that place again. I kept the story of the swamp woman to myself for a while after that, but soon I figured that maybe telling people would keep them away. To know that going into the swamp to chase down this woman, it was completely suicidal. People always show up at my house and gave me sweets like cakes. Everyone was trying to make me feel better, but there was no fixing the situation. Honestly, I was getting enough of this. Eventually, several months later, the story died down. Everyone stopped talking about it, but I, I can't forget it. The events of that day can never leave my mind. And number five, Alligator in the Swamp. Submitted by Raigami375. This happened a few months ago while I was in Florida with a friend for his 19th birthday. His name was Jerry, and we were there with two other friends. Let's call them Jeff and Q. Anyway, Jerry lived in a neighborhood close to the swamp. The place was practically in his backyard. It's just a short walk and you're there. Now that that's out of the way, let's get on to the scariest night of our lives. Me, Jeff, and Q had just gotten to Jerry's house, and despite living on the border of a swamp, he has plenty of modern devices and decor. We call him the postmodern redneck. Anyway, we did the same thing all these kids these days do. We played video games for hours, all while eating tons of junk food. It wasn't until around 9.30 at night when Jerry, who was slightly round in stature, I might add, suggested we go out to a spot in the swamp where he supposedly found a lot of alligators. I love all reptiles, and I, along with Jeff and Q, said we'd go check it out. So we grabbed some flashlights, headlamps, and fishing boots. Then we took off to this place Jerry was talking about. As we were making our way to this place with the faint sound of leaves and muck squelching under our feet, we of course tried to freak each other out talking about ghosts and the possibilities of monsters being out there. Honestly, it left me a little spooked. Call me a sissy or whatever you want, but complete darkness, plus being told lots of horror stories by your friends, it really makes you think of what might be out there that would want you as a late night meal. So I'm scared, but just as we approach the spot where Jerry found all the gators, we hear a branch snap off of a nearby tree it was impossible to tell which. We were surrounded by woods. I wasn't sure if they heard it, but I was the only one who stopped. My friends noticed and looked at me, telling me to just come on. I caught up quickly to feel safe again, but that soon faded, 
especially as the four of us began to hear the most terrifying noise ever. It was a deep guttural bellowing, like an alligator, but it sounded so much deeper and loud. We turned to where the sound came from, and we quickly regretted it. Only a few yards away from us, we see something only similar to a crocodile or alligator, if it could stand on two legs. It was a massive grayish green form, and it easily towered over all of us, reaching around nine feet tall. It had it all too, a long gator-like snout and powerful jaws, sharp jagged teeth and claws, claws to rip all of us into easily consumable pieces, a thick tail, and the body of a heavyweight boxer, and there was no hoping he didn't see us. He was looking right at us. I didn't waste another second and took off running back to Jerry's house. My friends followed behind, dropping their flashlights and running with me through the muck to get to safety. I tripped over my own leg getting back, but luckily Jeff caught me and got me back on my legs to make our escape. After 10 minutes or so of running later, we finally made it back to Jerry's mudroom where we threw off our muddy boots and started locking every door and window and shutting off every light. Hours passed and we hear nothing. We don't even know if it's safe to check or not. It wasn't until 11.20 that we hear something smash into the side of the house. It was loud, like some freight train ran off the rails and hit the house. I, being a fearful idiot, looked at what happened and I saw out the window that same thing from the woods. That alligator monstrosity, it almost looked like it was thinking about smashing through the glass, but that's when we saw a few people coming towards the house. This creature saw them as well, then took off back into the swamp and woods, and within a few moments, I completely lost sight of it. We let the neighbors in, and they asked us right away what all the screaming had been about, because apparently, we had run back screaming like little girls, but can you blame us? But to make us look like normal people who weren't crazy, we just said we were in our four-wheelers and we lost control. We apologized for the noise. Then the neighbors went back home to get the rest of their sleep. Well, we didn't sleep that night. We stayed up, making sure that thing didn't come back, and luckily it didn't. But something like that you don't forget. It's still out there. It's still waiting for another meal. And I won't be going back to Jerry's for a while. Not when that thing is basically in his backyard. There are many creepy things and places on this planet. Forests of dead trees where you'd be alone for miles. Oceans where there is nothing but water in every direction. And then of course there are swamps where it seems like the strangest, darkest things and nightmares are born, where the most bizarre and terrifying creatures reside. So if you want to experience the horror shown in these stories, then by all means find your nearest swamp and have a Scooby-Doo style look-see. Otherwise, if you enjoy your life, stay home and stay far away from those bogs. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your creepy true stories at darknessprevails.org.
and be sure to check the link in the description if you want to help Mr. Black Pasta keep going. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patron, Ray Sanchez Zavalita. Thank you for going above and beyond to help this channel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.